Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Thank you for tuning in to A Greater Story with Sam Collier. We're calling this a radio podcast, a cool hybrid of talk radio and music. Real leaders, real talk, incredible stories. Thanks so much for tuning in to A Greater Story with Sam Collier. My name's Sam Collier, and I am here right now with someone who doesn't need an introduction at all. Yeah, I do. No, you don't need one at all, but I'm going to give him one. 11 Grammy nominations? Yeah. Dang, yeah, 11 Grammy nominations. 11. 11. Double awards. About four, dub, four or five doves. About four doves. Uh, 20 stellar. Stellars again? What? Yeah, give or take. Never would have made it was on the charts. 48 Week. weeks? 48 weeks at number one consecutively. That's the longest running number one single in the history of music business across musical genres. If you listen to music, which everyone does, you know who this man is. Bishop, oh, man. songwriter, I'm looking crazy, social yeah. activist, yeah. change agent. Marvin Sapp is in the bit. Marvin! Look at you. You act so silly. What's up, man? It's great to be here, man. man Thank you for having me. We had to come to the Bahamas to get together. I know, and I'm getting ready to preach to you. I look like Sheik Ahmad yeah. sitting up here. <laughs> I'm just looking all crazy sitting up here today. But uh, I'm glad you're here, man. man. You enjoying it? I'm enjoying it. I didn't, you know, this is my first time at the gathering. Yeah. I didn't know that Bishop Ellis had this. Oh, man, it's amazing. I mean, y'all are just doing some incredible things. Before we jump in, we kick off the show every time with a song. Okay. I got to go to the Never Would Have Made It remix. <laughs> it's viral. It's viral, And man. then I'm going to go to the regular one. Then go to the regular one. We'll be back. Never Would Have Made It. Never Could Have Made It Without It. I'm stronger, 
I'm wiser, I'm better, much better. When I look back over all you brought me through, I can see that you are the one I held on to. And I never, never could have made it. Oh, I never could have made it. I don't know how old I was. I can tell you. <laughs> but this was when I, I wasn't really into gospel music. Right. I used to do music, but I want I was like in the R and B and Boys to Men and Montel. I mean, so we had a tradition every Saturday, me and my, I think our mom knew, but I don't know. We watch B T all the time. Okay. B T, B T, B T, B T. Yeah, Saturdays. Wake up in the morning, watch B T all day, peanut butter and jelly sandwich. BT milk, BT cereal, you know, run outside, come back in BT. And as I was watching, it was like a, an uncut kind of version of a song came. I don't know which song. Maybe it was Wayne or somebody. Mm-hmm. Master, I don't know. And then never would have made it. I said, <laughs> I said, what is this? Yeah, man, that was uh, two thousand and seven. Man, I um. Yeah. I've never been to the Bahamas, but when AURN called me, I said, um, I'll go if I can interview Marvin Sapp. Are you serious? Oh, yeah. That was, oh, I told my crew today. It's an overrated don't get no, 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 no. <sighs> For all intents and purposes, man, one of the most successful gospel artists, artists in the history of music. God's been good to me. I got to be mm-hmm. honest with you. He's, he's been good to me. He's opened doors and stuff. I never imagined that I would be here. All your life, because mm. uh, I started doing this 30 years ago, believe it or not. And, uh, you know, fresh out of school, and I'm thinking just, you know, that this would be a season or a moment. Mm. And the next thing I know, you know, 30 years later, I'm still doing it. It's amazing. It's been an amazing ride. Goodness. Uh, we say on the show that when your story connects to God's story, mm-hmm. it leads to a greater story. Without question. So we try to have people on the show that are in that, that's you. Take us to Little Marvin. <laughs> and t- take us from Little Marvin 
to Bishop Marvin. Wow. I mean, and don't leave out a detail. Well, I mean, it's not. I tell people all the time, you know, I'm a simple kind of guy. Um, I grew up in Grand Rapids, Michigan, where I still live for the next two months. Because there's an announcement. Because coming. there's an announcement coming, yeah. and uh, you know, I I just grew up in the church. My mother and father made sure that we went to church every Sunday. Uh, while everybody else was playing doctor and when they were playing, you know, uh, tug of war and stuff in the backyard, you know, I played church. Mm. So, you know, I had deacons, I had uh, choir members, I had ushers. <laughs> and, uh, you know, my mother would put a towel around my neck and get big old safety pins back in the day. Yeah. yeah. And safety pin them and I'd go out the back and I'd preach. And, uh, but never thinking that this would be wow. my calling or my responsibility or the uh, assignment of life that I find myself in. You know, grew up, got caught up in, in drugs and alcohol. Really? And, uh, yeah, man, it was bad. Between the ages of 12 and, and 18. How did that happen? I just, my mother and father got divorced mm. and uh, just rebelled. I mean, just really, 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 really rebelled. I get it, yeah. You know, I smoked my first joint at 12, began to drink and pop pills at the uh, age of uh, 16, had my first line of cocaine at 18 in the basement of my job with my boss. <laughs> and uh, that Your was a boss habit. introduced you to cocaine. To cocaine, yeah. And, and, it, and I probably would have still been doing it until I had to buy it for the first time. And when I had to buy, I was like, "Oh no, this this ain't no black, this ain't no black man habit. This ain't no this ain't no black man habit here. This is too expensive." I ain't spending money on this. Mm -mm. So, and then at that point in time too, I really gave my life to the Lord. And mm. uh, when I got really converted, you know, because all of us have moments where we come to God. Eighteen. Yeah, uh, yeah, eighteen years of age, mm. and and I really gave my life to the Lord, and and uh, just walked away from drugs and alcohol and all that. But even when I did it, you know, still had uh, uh, the residue. Mm. of it because I started having uh, grand mal seizures. I uh, was diagnosed as an epileptic and I uh, used to take 900 milligrams a day of Dilantin. And uh, then I just believed God for my healing and uh, God healed me. And Are you serious? Yeah, man. Yeah, I've had a, I haven't had, I had three seizures back then that I, I don't remember them, but I stopped breathing on, on one or two, heart stopped on one. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just it's just the favor of God, and I'm still here. I made some bad decisions when I was a young guy. But what's amazing is I always went to church. I always sang in church. I might have been high at what? church, but I was dusting the church off. The mothers were shouting and falling to the floor, and I probably just had a joint before I walked in the door. I don't know. But, right. You know, but, but you was there. But I was there. And that's one thing. Wow. I, I'm a strong believer that, you know, the Bible is right. If you train them up in the way they should go. No matter how much they stray when they're old, they won't depart from it. So, you know, God brought me back because he knew he had an assignment for my life. And, you know, fast forward, I'm traveling, I'm singing as a preacher. Hmm. Uh, get a phone call from Fred Hammond yeah. about becoming a member of commission. Come on. Uh, came to commission. Commission. Uh, yeah, man. It's so good to know the Savior. <laughs> and uh, came to commission and, uh, my goodness, he called me in 1989. I came in 1990. And uh, spent six years with them, and then finally with Solo, and the rest is history. I'm still here by the grace of God. Yeah. Um, I got at least a hundred questions. I'm not going to ask all okay. of them. Mm -hmm. um, how, why? How did you get so down to earth? Because let me tell you something that shocked me. I was wondering. I said, mm -hmm. "What is Marvin Sapp, Bishop Marvin Sapp, going to mm -hmm. be like in person?" Really? Yeah. And you were just like one of the homies. Because I'm from Grand Rapids, Michigan. <laughs> I mean, like you know. Uh, I, I'm a strong believer that you don't that you don't 
you don't believe what you read about yourself. Mm. You, you don't believe your own press, man. I mean, like, you know, mm. and then you got to be nice to people yeah. because, you know, you're not going to always be at the top. Mm. You know, this thing is seasonal. And uh, so you treat people nice on your way up so that when you're on your way down, they'll treat you nice. And uh, I like being me. I like who I am. I mean, I like being Marvin Sapp, you know, laid back, walking through the uh, conference kind of guy with no armor bearers and, you know, being able to pause and take pictures with people mm. and, you know, being touchable. And yeah. uh, because you go to conferences and stuff and everybody got 17 different nigga rolls around them. Right. You know, and that's not me. And uh, plus, you know, it's expensive. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. Feeding all them jokes. I'm, mm -mm, no, devil is a lie. Mm -mm. So I like to travel by myself and, uh, you know, it's it's sometimes it's um, it's beneficial. Like this event is great being mm -hmm. here by myself. But then some cities I go to, I got to make sure I have security. So you know, it just wow. it just varies. Forty eight weeks at number one. Yep. What's that story, man? I mean, and the, see that's that's the strangest thing because I need it. I grew up in Grampus, Michigan, where uh, Grampus is the second largest city in the state of Michigan. That's number mm -hmm. one. Um, but it's very conservative. Uh, extremely Republican ran type of city. Um, mm -hmm. <clears throat> our our uh, Secretary of Education is my neighbor. What? Uh, yeah, Betsy DeVos lives down the street from us. Amway <laughs> uh, is, is there down the street from where I live in, yeah. in Ada. Yeah. So Grand Rapids is a very conservative city. Um, our R&B radio station was Dawn the Dusk. Mm. So ain't nobody know that about it what's going on on the charts. I wasn't paying attention. Mm. I live in Grand Rapids, Michigan. You know, Grand Rapids is uh, two and a half hours west of Detroit. So as the song began to become popular, because I had no real musical reference other than, you know, the record company sending me, you know, weekly reports, which I never read. Right. Um, you know, yeah, I was traveling. I was doing all I was needed to do. So, you know, when they said to me, hey man, your song's about to be the number one song in the country. I was like, Really? What? And it's like, yeah. I was like, oh, cool, cool. They said, well, you got to get down here. You got to do a video quick. So they flew me to town. Remember that, that Yeah, man. They, they, they flew me. They, listen, that video was done in like 48 hours before the, it went number one. Some, some crazy. Oh so I flew gosh. to Alabama. What? Birmingham, Alabama. Did the video in two days. And then after I did the Never Would Have Made It video, then they called me and told me again, um, you do know it's about to be number one at radio. I was like, okay, cool. That's great. Mm -hmm. Gospel radio. They're like, no, no, no. You've been number one at gospel radio. You're about to be the number one hip-hop, R&B, and gospel song in the country. I said, you got to be kidding me. They said, no. And BET has decided to play it every hour on the hour for 12 hours straight, the video. I was shook because I was like, this cannot be happening. What? And then I got a call saying they want me to come and sing at the BET Awards. So I was like, this is nuts. <laughs> I, this, this can't be happening to me, right? So go to do BET Awards, and uh, I'm meeting everybody. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, everybody coming up For to me. For the first time? For the first time. Oh I'm gosh. at the BET Awards. People are coming up to me, telling me how they enjoy my music. I mean, Kim Kardashian, her sister. What? Uh, who else was coming up to me? Uh, Wayne. Lil Wayne. Oh, that's tell us the Wayne story. Oh, we talked offline. <laughs> I need the Wayne story on the Lil show. Wayne. Lil Wayne says to me, "We we I just finished the, the uh, yes. just finished 
singing never would have made it on stage. I'm looking out there, Puffy crying, he in tears. Uh, everybody singing, Lil Wayne over in the corner singing. Everybody singing never would have made it. Rihanna, uh, 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 Chris Brown. I'm like, this this is really a hit song, like for real though. Mm. Get upstairs, Lil Wayne. My whole floor smelled like you know a whole marijuana field. <laughs> <laughs> It's just, it's like, it's welcome it, to be it's here. just smoky all up in the place. <laughs> smoky the bear. No, so he comes up to me and he says, Hey, Brad, you know, never would have made it. That's my S. <laughs> and said, S is a curse word. It's a curse word, right? I said, Oh, man, thank you. I'm glad you enjoy it. What? He's like, Yeah, man, you don't know that. That, that song does it for me. And I was blown away by it. Fast forward. Come on. If you listen to the Carter Five record, he literally sampled Never Would Have Made It. And it's actually on the Carter Five record. He called me and asked me could he use it. I told him absolutely. You the first person I what, told what that. What song? To. What song? It's the Christian song that's sort of on there. Okay. It's like the, at the end. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. The one that, it's, it's supposed to be a Christian song, the new gospel, whatever. Right, right. right. That's got Never Would Have Made what? It rolling up through it. Yeah, man. So I'm, you know, it, it's it's amazing to me um, that, you know, I got there, I sang, I got the award. I was like ecstatically excited, went to the airport, caught the red eye home, get off the plane, me and my wife, get to the house. I was like, babe, I can't believe this. I want a, I want a BET award. And she said, yeah, babe, it's so exciting. See that garbage can? Over there? What? I need you to roll it out to the, roll it out to the, to the, to the, to the curb. I need you to roll it out to the curb because, because the, the uh, garbage people coming up the street, I'll take that in the house for you. Mm. She took in the award. I said, I guess that's over with. It was the, it's that was over. it. It was over. That it's was like it. never would have made it. Never would have made it. Great. Okay, so roll the garbage out. Now you back home. You back Marvin Sapp now. That's what kept me, and that's what has kept me humble. Because mm. my wife never allowed me to just get caught up in this, and and I appreciate that. I got to ask you a philosophical question. Okay. Um, for all intents and purposes. What was so interesting to me, the older I get, the more I analyze what actually happened when that song went one, number one. Um, it, was, it was an anomaly. Oh, without question. Because commission, you had other songs. I mean, people don't get number ones like that and have the type of career at that section in their career. But when people get there, after they've done all that you've done, mm -hmm. they just kind of like, they, on the old school tour, and they go away. But you like had a re you started over almost. It, actually, yeah, I became relevant. <laughs> Honestly, I became relevant again, because you know, I, I, that was 18 years in the business. How did like- We, we never would've made a hit. I don't really know the question. I think it's like two in one, mm -hmm. but I think that the two questions are, how does something like that happen? What do you have to do to position yourself to be ready to receive what you need to receive to create a song like that in that space and time? See, what's so strange is, is I never consider myself to be a songwriter. Mm. It, 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 I go through situations in life that, and this is, this. I don't want to sound spiritual, but I've gone through situations in life that birthed songs out of my pain. I don't want no more hits. I'll mm. tell anybody that. If I got to go through what I had to go through to get these, mm -mm, mm. they can have them. I don't, mm. I don't, I don't want another hit song. 
you know, when mm-hmm. when I wrote Never Would Have Made It, I wrote Never Would Have Made It actually the Sunday after I buried my father. I buried my father on a Thursday. That Sunday I come to church and I'm in the pulpit in tears and I just start singing the words. I never would have made it, never could have made it without you. I'd have lost my mind, God. But now I see how you've been there for me. And after this, I'm going to be stronger, wiser, better, so much better. I literally just start singing it just like that. Mm. Uh, two or three months later, uh, still dealing with the passing of my dad, uh, <laughs> uh, we had a men's conference at my church. A preacher was preaching named Liston Page, and he said these words. He was preaching about David and how it amazes him that Jesse did not see uh, the importance and or the the favor that was on David's life. Mm. And he said these words, isn't it amazing how even when family and friends don't see the good in you, God sees the best in you. And I started mm. singing the words, he saw the best in me. Good. When everyone else wanted me. And I was going to give that song to the Cat and Spirituals. And my A&R director was at my men's conference, uh, Joseph Burney, and he told me, no, you're keeping this song. So I sat on Best in Me for two years, and then I recorded it, and then the Best in Me became even larger than Never Would Have Made It, believe it or not. I mean, it's so... What? Yeah. Uh, when that album was released, it was, my goodness, I think the record came out the number two record on the hot 100 uh i mean to to the day that came out like uh, i think we sold almost a hundred thousand the first week which no gospel artist has ever done that before um um, at that particular point in time so i mean like it was was, it's just crazy man you think about it and you look at it and you say yourself how did i get here and i know how i got here i got here because you know i went through situations in life um, and the way that I was able to uh, get through them um, is I had to use as therapy music in order to be able to keep my sanity. Mm. So I was just expressing, you know, where I was. When my wife passed away, I wrote my testimony in Atlanta. I wrote my testimony in Atlanta at the Buckhead uh, Rich Carlton, laying in the floor. How long ago was that? Oh, my goodness. Uh, it's been nine years. Mm. It'd be nine years in September. And I wrote it right like six weeks after she passed away. So every hit song I've ever written that has sold millions have been songs that were absolutely birthed out of the most painful situations of my life. So I'm look, I got three good ones. I'm happy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm like, I feel I'm like, listen, I don't need another yeah. hit song. I, you know, I could sing that would have made it till Jesus come back. And the reality is I probably will because, you know, I told you about the Lil Wayne, but, you know, DJ Khaled took it, him and Chance the Rapper, and they put it on uh, his, not this latest record, but the one before that that's gone double or triple platinum. Mm. Um, uh, Tiana Taylor did never would have made it on her record uh, that was produced by Kanye West um, just recently. Uh, I can't think of the movie, the movie that's like Bonnie and Clyde, where mm-hmm. the young man kills the police officer. I've seen it. I've seen uh, the trailer. The yeah. trailer. Uh, Best in Me is going to be a part of that. What? So, I mean, God's, for some strange reason, has has consistently kept favoring me and allowed me to remain relevant uh, among, among millennials, you know, among uh, Generation I. You know, I, it's just... 
I'm, I'm amazed. And, and I think, too, what kind of helps me to remain relevant is I, I'm, I'm raising, you know, a 20, a 22-year-old, and a 25-year-old. And they kind of help daddy. They'll tell me when yeah. I'm whack. And that's the word to you. No, that, that, that's, that's whack. whack. That's whack. <laughs> <laughs> it hurts, too. <clears throat> it's like cruel. Like, really? Yeah. I like that. Mm-mm. Mm-mm, that's whack. Because there's a record I love. I recorded. I love this record. I mean, my T, I loved it. I loved it. You'll never hear it. Because you can't. It's like, that's horrible. <laughs> that's whack. That can't go on your record. <laughs> so I pulled it. Wow. True. That's true. So you would say, because there's something you have that other people don't, artists, I, I wanna, and I want to drill down on it, mm-hmm. you would say that that thing that you have that it's allowed for you to get out of the way in a sense right. is you were brave enough to write and sing from your pain. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and because I wrote in song from my pain, it connected to the pain of others. One thing I've realized is, is this. Is that all of us, no matter what walk of life you come from, have had never would have made the moments. Mm. People can connect to that. You know, all of us have been in a position, a place where, you know what? People didn't see the best in us. Mm. You know, but thank God he saw it. You know, mm. all of us have been through situations in life where we realize that the reason why we had to come through what we were going through is because God was giving us all testimonies that we can share with other people so that they can make it through what they were dealing with. But so I really don't consider myself to be a songwriter, even though I've written songs and still write, but I consider myself to be a conduit. Mm. And I think that's, you know, that might sound deep to some, but that's the best way that I can describe what I do. You know, I look at myself as just an individual that has been yielded and who just loves God, man. And I mean, I I don't know how people, the stuff that I've gone through, I I don't know how people make it without it. Mm. I I just don't know. You know, I'm, my my father, my musical mentor, and my pastor died within 90 days. All right, let's pause for a second. We're going to round third base. I got to ask you this. I don't think it would be honoring if I didn't. You know, I'm with Andy Stanley. Absolutely. I'm on a lot of different sides. I started with Bishop Long. Now I'm here. So my world has been crazy. Um, but we spend a lot of time talking to atheists. And answering that question or trying to wrestle with that question, because can you answer it? Why do good, bad things happen to good people? I mean, all the, we, we deal, we spend a lot of time talking about suffering. And it, it, you get to this point where you go, well, Jesus promised he's going to deal with it all at one time. Mm-hmm. He's coming back. He's going to deal with it. But for now, he's going to be with us in the pain. Sometimes he does miracles. Sometimes he does. I mean, he does what he does. For somebody like you going through that, mm-hmm. how do you make it? Because there's somebody listening going, my mom died, my who, and I have not recovered. Mm-hmm. And why would God do that? Mm-hmm. And how is God, here it is, good. When he let bad things happen. What, now, how do, how, do, how, do you, how do you get through that? Man? See, my, see. <laughs> you're talking to a pastor. Yeah, right, right. So when you're talking to a pastor, it's one thing for me to preach it. Mm. It's another thing for me to live this thing. So, you know, losing my father in 2010. No, 2000. Yeah, losing my father in in 2007 or 2008, one or the other, and 2007. And then losing my wife in 2010. Mm. Um, losing my pastor, my musical mentor. You know... 
that kind of stuff. I don't know how people make it without God. Mm. Let me say this. And, and, and I, I've learned that many times, even though we want to question, mm-hmm. which I did, I questioned a ton. Yeah. Um, I still have to understand he's sovereign. Come on. And, and even though that may not make sense mm-hmm. to those who are non-believers, those who are should understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, you know, we live in a place that God's will is his will. Yeah. And the reality is, is that wow. we have to accept it. Mm. Uh, it may not make sense to us, and it may be difficult for us to swallow. My mother-in-law, uh, at this point, you know, she loves God, but it's, it's difficult for her to accept, you know, the passing of her baby girl. Mm. Uh, my children, you know, they they got through it quicker than me. Mm. Um, what? Oh, you know, yeah. Yeah, kids are resilient. But the reason why they were able to get through it was because their foundation was built in faith. So they understood from this standpoint, this is what mommy lived for. Mm. She lived to go be with the king. Mm. So because she lived to go be with the king, when she saw him and she looked at the suffering that she was enduring, mm. It made sense to them that she chose him mm. because that's what she lived for. Yeah. So, you know, those types of things, wow. you know, my struggle was not her choice. My struggle was the companionship mm. that I had built up that I was going to not have anymore and miss because we were absolutely one flesh without question. You know, when I tell people I'm single, I tell them I'm single by default, not by choice. Mm. And see, when you get that, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's hard to jumpstart, restart, um, get back in the game, so right, to speak. Right. Um, because, you know, I, I had an amazing relationship, an amazing wife. And I say that now, you know, back then I would just tell people it was good. But when I look at relationships now, man, I'm like, shoot, boy, I, I was bad a thousand. Because, you know, I had somebody in my life that was really ride or die. So, you know, when you look at all of that, you just thank God for the good and you praise him for the great. And then you allow him to get glory out of your life based upon the fact that even after all you went through, you're yet still in your right mind. So I'm... I'm, Mm. I, I've never been mad at God. <laughs> I've never cursed him about what has happened. That's right. Uh, what I did say all the time is, is God, you got to make this make sense. Mm. That was, I, I can never forget, I'll never forget I was standing at her bedside after she had passed mm. and my son was holding me and I just kept saying over and over again, God, you got to make this make sense. You got to make this make sense. You got to make this make sense. And to be honest with you, it hasn't made sense yet. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, this may be cliche. Yeah. Uh, if you grew up in the old church, you would know this statement. You know, we'll just understand it better. Mm. Bye and bye. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> wow. Um, I want to ask you to pray. Absolutely. This is easy. I love For prayer. some that, uh, yeah, I am. Um, for some that are there, mm-hmm. um, wrestling with that, 
I'm just, I'm grateful to AURN. I'm grateful to Kimberly. I'm grateful to God. I'm grateful to you man, that we had this moment. Best part of my trip. Are you kidding me? <laughs> All that beach out there is the best well, part of your trip. I get get out man, there. Man, please. You better get on a jet well, like ski before said, you leave here. It was hot. Listen. <laughs> Listen, sir. <laughs> Jesus. It's hot and humid in this yes, case. Yes, yes, yes. But there's a hotter place, and it won't be humid either. <laughs> Let me make that perfectly clear. Ain't going to be. Ain't gonna be no humidity when you go in. Let's pray. Man, pray for us, please. Gracious God, our Father, and soon coming King, Master yes. and Lord of everything, the one who literally sits high and looks low, who leads us and guides us everywhere we need to go. We thank you for this moment. We praise you for these, your people. There's somebody in the sound of my voice, Lord God, that's dealing with a traumatic situation. Something that is absolutely beyond their control. They cannot handle within their own strength. God, give them to know that they can lean on you totally and completely. That they can trust in you with all their heart. They can and lean not into their own understanding. If in all their ways that they acknowledge you, you, you've declared that you're going to direct their path. So God, I pray even now, Lord God, that they would cast their cares upon you because we know you care for us. Bless, Lord God. Encourage, uplift, strengthen. Lord God, and most importantly... In this season, Lord God, that they may be going through something that is traumatic. It's one thing to pray through, but it's also another thing to have somebody to talk to. Give them the wisdom that is necessary that they can find a clinician, Lord God. Somebody that they can sit with and they can share so that it would teach them how to manage the pain. Because the pain never goes away. Mm. But Lord God, allow them to learn how to manage it. I thank you and I give you praise. In advance, because you're going to direct them to the right individual that can help them navigate through this challenging period of life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much for tuning in to A Greater Story with Sam Collier and the incomparable Bishop Marvin Sapp. He's got some big announcements coming soon, so follow him on Instagram for more. And remember this. All of them. Wait a minute. Come on. You can follow me. Yeah. On the official Marvin Sapp page on Tell Facebook, Tell Instagram, and yeah. Twitter yeah. at Marvin Sapp. Now you can close out. Okay. Follow him. <laughs> and remember, when your story connects to God's story, it leads to a greater story. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, man. Thank you. Mm. Mm. Wait on you. Everybody's moving. Everyone is going somewhere With everything they're trying Just to make it To a place where I am not there But when the noise is over Still the small voice you will hear I hope that you believe me when I tell you that I will handle all of your cares, just wait on me and be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Just trust and know that I am God, and I'm in control. God, oh, 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 oh
You've been listening to A Greater Story with your host, Sam Collier. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or any other podcast directory. If you like what you hear, leave a five-star review. A Greater Story with your host, Sam Collier. Distributed by American Urban Radio Networks.